a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. And so we're going to look at chapter 3. So if you fancy turning in your Bibles to that, if you've got your Bibles, that would be awesome. And uh, we'll read that together. Right, so I'm, I'm looking at verses 1 to 12 in chapter 3. So you might have the subheading, Taming the Tongue. That's what we're going to be looking at. Okay, so verse 1. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Okay, so... uh, The title of my talk isn't Taming the Tongue. Um, I'm going to talk on how words can change lives. So my title is Word Up. (laughs) That bit's irrelevant, actually. Change your words, change your life. That's the title of my talk. So let's pray before I start. (laughs) God, I thank you so much for uh, your grace to us. Thank you for the salvation that you've given us. Lord, that we can sit or stand here today knowing that we've been set free by you. Lord, and I pray that um, you continue to work in us. Lord, I pray your spirit would come and bring understanding and wisdom as we look at your word. And Lord, we want to be changed people at the end of today. Lord, we want to be changed by you because you've called us to a life of becoming more like your son. And that's what we want to do today. So we invite you here again and we just say, speak to us, Lord, we pray. Jesus' name. Amen. Right. We all have access to a powerful weapon. Right? This weapon can be used in any situation in life uh, to make things better or worse. And it's our words, or as James puts it, the tongue. Anyone who can say the right thing at the right time, or perhaps avoid saying the wrong thing at the wrong time, he says is a perfect person. This person will have like brilliant life, like especially in relationships. The relationships will be perfect, he says. The problem is that the Bible says also that no one can achieve that. It is impossible to tame the tongue or have control over the tongue. In verse two, we see that he says, 
Only a perfect man is able to do this. Verse 8, he lays it on the line. He says, no man can tame the tongue. (coughs) Um, Philo, who is a first century Jewish philosopher, says this. He says, but if a man succeeded as if handling a lyre, which is a musical instrument, in bringing all the notes of a thing that is good into tune, bringing speech into harmony with intent and intent with deed, such a man would be considered perfect and of a truly harmonious character. But we know that no man can be perfect. Um, The good thing is the Bible also offers loads of advice on how we can manage our tongue and speak in such a way that we can still glorify God. And, uh, And that's kind of the point of what I want to talk about today. So we've heard a lot about, and we've prayed and we've sung about how good God is to us and what he's done for us at the cross. And uh, his resurrection, that we are free people, we've been made righteous. And all that is just amazing. And it, but it, doesn't, it wasn't just a thing. And we just struggle on our own the rest of our lives. We have, we're living in a process of sanctification. So our lives are, the course of our lives is to become more like Jesus. And that's basically what I want to talk about today. So I would probably change the title to uh, uh, Word Up. Change your words, change your life, brackets to be more like Jesus. That's what I want to talk about today. So uh, we're going to look at ways we can better manage the things we say. And uh, we're going to discover that changing our words literally can change our lives. And so as we, as we sort of work off James chapter 3 today, I want to look at four things. All right? Bullet pointy things. Um, so firstly, be aware of the damage that can be caused by words. So that's the first thing to look at. Be aware of the damage that we can cause with our words. And James talks about how powerful words are and uh, how the tongue has a huge potential for damage and destruction. And he, he goes on in verse 3 and 4, gives us a couple of illustrations uh, to show how powerful the tongue is. So we've got the, the bit in the horse's mouth that can turn the whole animal and, uh, and likewise the, the little rudder at the bottom of a ship can turn the entire ship and like ships were ma- to them in those days, ships were like massive because there weren't many huge structures in that time. But so the, the illustration is basically saying small thing can have huge impact on big thing. Yeah, and uh, and he goes on to say as well, a small spark can set a great forest on fire, and that brings in the element of destruction and damage. So we see that our words can be very influential, but also very damaging. I'm glad my mate Al's here today because uh, what we, we we were like chatting about this a while back, and it and I mentioned I think it was John preached on fiery darts. I don't know if anyone remembers that fiery farts, um, fiery darts, and uh, <laughs> and and basically we we kind of realised that the thing like we have a bit of banter and stuff, and we like sort of rip into each other now and again as mates. And I think I think we started thinking it's a, it can actually be a bit damaging. It's still a laugh, but it's like a fiery dart that every time we say something like in a bit of banter it's like a fiery dart so we started scoring up every time we hung out with each other we'd have a tally of fiery darts and like big score was bad so uh, like I remember when we started it was like 15, 12 or something probably to me but, uh, but these days uh, correct me if I'm wrong but we, it's like down to like 2-1 or something at the end of the time we hang out because we, we're conscious of what the things we say we don't want to be chucking fiery darts at each other. Although it is quite funny. Like I talk about him going bald and he talks about me going grey and it's all a bit of a laugh. But I think underneath that, there's, it's just a little fiery dart. The more that happens, 
that damage can actually be done, even among friends. Um, so that's really helping me, so you might want to try it with you, if you do that sort of thing. Um, you, may, you may have heard of the well-used phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And that, I'd like to say, is profoundly unbiblical, because words, it is, because words are so powerful, and uh, they can cause damage, like, a, like an out-of-control forest fire, if you're not careful. And I remember breaking bones when I was a little kid, not other people's bones, my bones. Uh, and yeah, like one, one time I was about eight and I was, in, I was in goal playing footy with my brothers and I, was, I went to save the ball. I think I definitely saved it. Um, but I, di- I did this amazing dive and I ended up landing all the weight on my little finger and it just went... And it was just like hanging, off, flopping off my hand like that. It was horrible. I remember another time just running around in the playground at school. You know, like kids just run, don't they? They just... He stopped for him. What are you doing? Just running. Don't, you don't need a reason. I guess I was just running around. And I, just, I ran into someone and broke my hand. <laughs> now, how that happened? What I was doing running like that, I don't know. <laughs> that kid must have had abs of steel at like, age nine. But uh, anyway, the point is that I, I don't really remember what it felt like. I know, I, I know it must have hurt because ba- bones breaking hurts. But um, I don't really remember what it felt like. And on the flip side... Um, things that people have said to me that have been harsh in the past, I can still really remember. And it, it's almost like you can still feel, you can still remember the damage that you felt at the time of that, that saying. And it's still almost, some things that we can remember still feel quite fresh because it's words and they're just there and they cut you. Whereas bones heal up quite easily. Um, but words don't necessarily. Um, I reckon, I'm sure loads of us have got things that people have said to us over, over the years that you can still remember. And uh, perhaps today you're struggling to let go of something that's been said to you that's been harsh. Or, in contrast, maybe you're carrying a bit of guilt because you know that you've said something to others that has not been right and that could potentially hurt them. And, uh, you know, it, it's not just about the, the two categories. Maybe you're here today, brilliant, you're here. But it's actually for... Today's for all of us because... James says that no one can tame the tongue, so we're all in it together. Um, the words we say create most of the problems that we face in life. If you think about it like at church or at work or whatever, it's always about words. Words start things. Relationships are broken, mostly due to words and the effect that the words have. Like miscommunication in marriage or uh, unresolved arguments, or we start with words. Parents constantly talking down to their kids day after day and damage is being done every day. And Proverbs has a lot to say about this kind of thing. Uh, there's loads of little, um, little wise sayings in Proverbs that are about speech and the effects that speech has. I've got a couple of examples. So Proverbs 12, verse 18, says, Reckless words pierce like a sword. And that's got to hurt, like being pierced with a sword. That hurt. That's got to hurt. The, another one, scoundrel plots evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. And fire, fire hurts, doesn't it? Like I remember as a little boy, pretty curious, walking in the kitchen going, wonder if the hob's hot? Yeah. Ah! Just like wrecked, just put my hand on it. And that was just like a, a couple of little burns on my hand. If you imagine a scorching fire, that's incredibly damaging and painful. Just like being pierced with a sword. And that's the kind of thing it's comparing our words to, because words hurt and words can be damaging. And he, James says the tongue actually is a fire. 
He goes on to say that. Uh, so that's, that's the first thing to notice from this passage, that words are a weapon and words can be damaging. Um, the second thing to notice is that words once spoken can't be taken back. So secondly, words cannot be taken back. When you were a kid, did you ever say something that uh, someone told you? You take that back like your parents or a teacher or something. You take that back. Um, guess the classic, classic sort of situation, it probably happens every other day. Uh, like a, a boy's in class at school and he says something sort of jokingly to one of the girls maybe. Uh, and everyone laughs except the girl because it was quite cutting about her. So she's, she's sort of, oh, everyone's laughing and the teacher's like, you go and apologise, take that back. So he sort of shuffles over, no, I didn't mean it, talking about... That's not going to work. She's looking at her book. He's I'm sorry, take it back. That, what he says is not going to have any effect, is it? She's not going to go, oh, great, thanks, brilliant, and just get on with it. She's hurt because the words have been said. Everyone laughed. Damage done straight away. Nothing you can do to change that. And that's what happens when we, when we say these words, that they're out there. You can't just eat them back in. They're there. They're, out, they're hanging out for all to see. Um, I found a lovely little story about a Haitian woman I think that's how you pronounce it from Haiti basically she, she went around spreading malicious gossip about one of her neighbours okay. and uh, she must have felt bad because she found herself in confession one day and she said to the priest what can I, what can I I don't know what the Haitian accent is <laughs> what can I do to make this right and uh, I don't know and uh, anyway, what can I do to make this sin right? And he says, right, here's what I want you to do. Go and get a chicken, pluck it, and then go and take those feathers and put one feather at the gate of every house of, the, of people that you've gossiped to. You see what I mean? So everyone that you've gossiped to, go and put a feather outside their gate. And then come back to me the next day, report back. So she goes, all right, goes and plucks a chicken and then puts the feathers out and then goes back and reports back the next day. And he says, oh, good, well done. Um, right, now what I want you to do is go and get those feathers and bring them back to me. She's like, no way, that's impossible. All those feathers would have blown around town by now. And he goes, so have your words. And I, there's a lot of truth in that. Lovely little story, but I think um, that's what happens, isn't it? The words can, before you know it, everyone knows about what you've said. Rumours may be unsub- unsubstantiated, Bad news. I'm sure we've all been in situations where we wanted to take something back that we've said, or even that someone else has said about us. You just want to, oh, take it back. Just wish that had never happened. Um, oh, I've got another illustration. I wasn't sure whether to share it. It's a bit, it's a bit embarrassing, actually. Um, I went with my ex-girlfriend to a Right Said Fred concert once. And you got when you're going out with someone, you've got to do these things. And uh, so, I've, yeah, I was in Derby, next door to the Pink Coconut, rather appropriately. And um, basically, I, so we're sort of in in this concert. I'm feeling a little bit awkward. She's like dancing around, loving it. Girls love to dance, don't they? They just love dancing. Ring each other. Like, what are you doing on a Friday? I just want to go out dancing. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever had a phone call from one of my mates going, all right, Matt, what are you up to on Friday? Do you want to go out dancing? It's never happened. I hope it never happens. I've certainly never done that to one of my mates. But um, girls, they love it. So she's dancing away. There's a lot of men dancing around, uh, around me. And, um, <laughs> and we're worried. I was a little bit awkward. Oh, I just 
oh, I can't really get into this. It's right, said Fred, and the string vests. It's not right. And uh, anyway, she was getting more and more frustrated at my lack of enthusiasm about a right, said Fred. And, um, and she just got to the point where she just went, oh, Matt, you are rubbish. She didn't actually say rubbish. She said something else, but I won't repeat that here. And, um, and like that, my evening just, bang, that stopped. And I was just like, oh, fiery dart. <laughs> and, uh, or sword in chest. And uh, I was like, gosh. And then, so the, the, the inevitable conversation, conversation happens afterwards. It's like, I can't believe you said that to me. Oh, I didn't mean it, I didn't mean it. Yeah, well, you said it, you must have meant it. Oh, I take it back, I take it back. You can't take it back, you said it now. Ooh, woe is me. Anyway, and you, you, that kind of thing can happen quite easily. Once it's said, you can't take it back. Well, God obviously encourages us time and time again in the Bible to to learn and choose forgiveness, yeah? But that's not, that's not really the point I'm trying to make. The point is that we can save ourselves so much trouble and potential pain and harm if we can just learn to like, resist saying harsh things at the right time. And we all do it from time to time. But we can just learn to, to, to try and resist doing it. Just remember, words spoken can't be taken back. James says the tongue is a fire, like I said. And it's so difficult trying to stop a raging forest fire. It just gets out of control. And that's what can happen to our, the effects of negative or damaging words once they're spoken out to someone else. And uh, these words can reveal a lot about us as well. That's the third thing. Words reveal much about us. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. And he goes on to say, but the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. Jesus is saying whatever's in our hearts will eventually come out in our speech and the, the things we say. And just previously to that, in chapter 12 of Matthew, he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good in him. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil in him. And the good or evil that comes from within us has its focus in our outward person. Like It's difficult to see what's going on inside unless you can see the, the actual person, obviously. So if our hearts are kind of critical, a bit bitter, that's going to come out in the things we say. And, and likewise, if our hearts are if we're doing all right and stuff, obviously worship can come out, good encouraging words can come out of the good that's in us and the evil that's in us. James says in chapter 12 of this, uh, uh, verse 12 of chapter 3, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Our words reveal our character. You can't have both. It's one or the other. Our words are an expression of what's going on inside us. That's pretty obvious. A lot of us here aren't from Derby. If you, if you go around chatting to people at the end, you'll notice that. Some kind of more obvious than others. Perfect example, Erica. Right, Erica, right? She'll... Hang on. <laughs> it's not going to be embarrassing. Erica will go around, trot around this country, travelling and seeing the sights. Every time she opens her mouth and speaks in a beautiful American accent, she reveals where she's from. Unless some Brits think, oh, she's from Canada. But same thing. Um, <laughs> in some ways. But... Um, do you know what I mean? Like, uh, her, her, she will reveal where she's from by her accent. 
And our words work in a kind of similar way on another level. Just like an accent can reveal where you're from, our words can reveal the state of our hearts when we speak to people. We've all got the ability to say good and encouraging things, sometimes profound things. But um, James has made it clear that we can never ultimately control our tongue. We can still still do good, but we can't control it because that person is perfect. And we were designed to rule over the whole animal kingdom. Genesis 1, the creation account. God says rule over all the the animals of of the world, the four types of animals, like sea, air, mammals, all that, and subdue the world. And James echoes this in verse 7 where he's talking about taming the different types of animals, the fact that we've tamed animals. We have, we've mastered the world, but what he's saying is we, have, we cannot master ourselves. We can't master the tongue. And blessings and curses shouldn't come from the same mouth. When we speak badly of others, we dishonour God. Because in verse 9 he says, With a tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. People are made in the image of God, we know that. Every time we curse someone, it's like we're cursing God. So we're praising God, and we're cursing God from the same mouth. And he's saying, that should not be. C.S. Lewis right, said, Remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which if you saw it now you'd strongly be tempted to worship or else a horror and corruption such as that you would only meet in a nightmare all day long we're in some degree helping each other to one or other of these destinations heaven or hell it's the light, these overwhelming possibilities with the all proper to them that we should conduct all our dealings with one another so all friendships all loves, all play, all politics and he, he, he says There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. And I love that quote because he's saying, live life with an eternal perspective. He's saying saying one day we are going to be perfect beings. We're going to be on our resurrected bodies. If if we saw what we might become then, we might be tempted to worship because we'll be perfect. And he's saying, with that in mind, live out your relationships all dealings with one another with that in mind, with this eternal perspective that we're made in the image of God, that none of us are ordinary and that we have never talked to a mere mortal. And I, that, I find that really helpful, just a, a whole different perspective on the way I talk to people, the way I relate to people. Um, words can also reveal our doubleness, and that pretty much means double-mindedness. So that's the fourth thing. Words reveal our doubleness. The tongue reveals its evil nature, a bit like a disease. And the disease that we have is doubleness, right? So typical of sin. It's like a conflict of good and evil inside us. And James, is saying, James says the tongue is a world of evil amongst the different parts of the body. He's not talking about a world of trees and mountains and lakes and stuff. I think it's more about a world order, a world view that's hostile to God but is in us. A bit like a, an enemy foreign power on home soil in us, this inner conflict that's going on. And anyone, anyone who's been round to Tim's place might know that he always keeps a copy of the Week magazine in his bathroom. Right? And Adam, Adam's been house-sitting for them while they're in France. And uh, he was in the bathroom and uh, reading the magazine and uh, he, he found an article which he sent over to me. 
It's dead interesting. Check this out. Scientists, right? I think it was, was it Keele University. Right. Because scientists from Keele University, okay, they've done a, they asked volunteers, right? Got a group of volunteers together and they said, right, put your hands in a freezing basin of water. Okay? And then they basically encouraged one part of the group to swear their heads off and the, the, re- the second half of the group to not swear at all, just be as polite as possible in this freezing water. And basically what they found, right, is that those encouraged to swear could withstand the discomfort of the freezing water up to 50% longer than the people who weren't allowed to swear. So they're basically now saying that it's a scientific fact swearing is really good for us, right? And if you're anything like me, there's part of your little voice going, yes! <laughs> It's going, oh, just a little bit of justification for when I smack my toe off the radio or, I don't know, my computer crashes again. You just want a little bit of justification, right? It's a hint of our doubleness, I think. It's a hint of that, that foreign power on home soil going, yeah, that's a good thing. If we can find any justification for sinning, it just pushes the guilt a little bit further away. But what, what we need to remember, right, is that the only justification we have is through Jesus, from what God has done through Jesus Christ. That is our justification. No, no little sort of loopholes or anything like that. It's purely from God. But James is saying we can't master our tongue. He says it's evil, it corrupts our whole being. And he says it even sets the whole course of our life on fire. So with that in mind, what, what do we do about that? I mean, he's saying there's no way that you can master your tongue. Do we just give up? Do we just give up trying? I'm thinking, no, we shouldn't stop trying. Because going back to what C.S. Lewis was saying, one day we're going to be perfect, right? And because, we're, because we are being made holy, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 10 says, he's made forever perfect those who are being made holy. This process of sanctification, surely that means we can look to advance so a long way to use our speech to glorify God. Fair enough, we may never completely master our tongue, but the whole purpose, the whole course of our lives is to become more like Jesus, to be sanctified. So that says to me, don't give up. You, we're covered by grace, but don't give up. Keep trying. Keep trying to glorify God, becoming more and more like Jesus. We might be, we might be sat here today thinking this is all a bit over the top. I'm ex- you're exaggerating quite a lot. It's not that bad, chill out. Everything's all right. I, I say this now and again. I say that, but it's all right. It's not, not a big deal. But I want to suggest that it probably is a big deal. And those things, those little things that we say that don't that seem insignificant, those little fiery darts, I want to say that that is like a symptom of this disease of doubleness. Yeah. Every little thing that we do that is that little bit of world of evil, our tongue that our tongue is, it's like a symptom. Of the disease, it may seem pretty insignificant, just a, just a sniff, but it's a symptom of this disease, the doubleness disease. Proverbs twenty one says, "He who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity." Guard, guard your mouth, guard your tongue, guard the things you say. It's funny because I've also read that um, psychologists believe, right? Don't, please don't correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> don't correct me if I'm wrong. Basically, if they think you, if you change the words you use to describe your emotions, you can actually change the way you feel. All right. So changing the words. So for example, if you get angry, change, softening the angry words 
can actually help soften the emotion of anger. Now James is saying that our tongue is a restless evil. And another translation, that Greek word for restless, can be unstable. So our tongue is a restless or unstable evil. Full of deadly poison, he says. And so it makes me think, right, if, on one hand, if swearing is supposed to be so good for us, but James is saying, your tongue is a restless, unstable evil, full of deadly poison. If we feed that, if we feed ourselves more poison, this unstable world of evil, surely that's going to make things a lot worse, not better. So I'm going with the psychologist and not the scientist from Keele University. I think it's not about pushing our emotions down. Don't, I'm not saying that. That's like not burying it so they sit and fester. I've done that before in the past and it's not good. It makes things worse. It's not what I'm saying at all. I'm, I'm just saying I believe God has shown us that the power of the tongue can work for good as well as for evil, like we're reading. And so... If we believe the Bible, the Bible is constantly talking about pure speech leads to a pure life, perfect life. And so our whole lives can actually change with the way that we speak for the better. Um, back in chapter 1 of James, he says, If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. So keeping a tight rein on his tongue, right? For me, that's, keeping a tight rein on your tongue is a simple formula, right? One, say less bad stuff. Two, say more good stuff. So that's pretty much it. Say, say less bad stuff, say more good stuff. It's simple, even I can get that. But what can we learn from geese, I hear you ask? It's funny you should ask that, actually, because I've got a little quick lesson that we can learn from geese. I'm not a fan of geese, but they can teach us. Fact. The geese flying in formation honk to encourage those up front to keep up their speed. Lesson. We need to make sure honking is encouraging. (laughs) In groups where there is encouragement, the production is greater. The power of encouragement is the quality of honking we seek. A lot of truth in, in what the geese are saying there. So what we need to do is honk well, right, to each other. Say less bad stuff, say more good stuff. But we're probably going to fail at some point because we know, like I keep saying, no one can tame the tongue. No person can master his tongue. But because we're saved by grace and not the law, there's no place for guilt or condemnation. Grace pushes that aside. There's no room for it. No place for it. Remember what Paul says in Romans 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus... The law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. And I'll say that again. It's a, this is amazing. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Jesus Christ, the law of the spirit of life set us free from the law of sin and death. And that is the cure for this disease. That's the cure for this disease of doubleness of sin. Amazing. So, to wrap up, basically, we have the potential to do great good and great harm with our words. The tongue is a powerful weapon, capable of damage, capable of good. This can be directed at other people, but also ourselves. And what he's saying is our own spiritual health can be determined to a great extent by the things that we say. And obviously there's so many incredibly good things that we can say. 
And even here in Jubilee, I hear so much encouragement passed around to me, to others. You, you hear it a lot, and that's brilliant. But today I just felt like it would be helpful to look at the seriousness of the power of words that James has laid out in this chapter. Because it's po- as I've been studying it, it's pointed me, every time it's pointed me back to the grace of God. Because that's what we need, this cure Paul's talking about in Romans 8. It's cure for the disease. So just to, just to close, Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. And I honestly believe today that is what God is saying. Change your words, change, you can change your life. Um, can we... Can you come up? Um, got a couple of things. I'd love to make a bit of time for some prayer and a bit of ministry just to respond to this sort of stuff. So I'm going to pray and then I'm, I've got three things, that, um, three sort of categories for prayer. But let's just pray together. God, I thank you so much for your gift of salvation to us, Lord, and the grace that you've poured out abundantly on our lives. Lord God, it's amazing to be able to stand here and know you. Lord, and we just pray that you'd help us keep a tight rein on our tongue this week and the coming weeks. Lord, that you'd help us to think before we speak. Lord God, that you'd help us to find that place of being able to change our words and allowing that to change our lives and the way that we live. Lord, I pray for forgiveness for things that we might have said to other people that haven't been helpful. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to forgive others that have said things to us. Lord, thank you for the beauty of your of forgiveness and how liberating it is. Lord, and we just want to give ourselves to you again today. Thank you for speaking to us. Keep speaking to us, Lord. We pray. Amen. Right, I'd, we're going to sing a song, and uh, I've got, I just really wanted to invite anyone up who just wanted to pray through some stuff. Firstly, if anyone feels they need to forgive and let go of painful things that have been spoken to them, if, you, if someone's spoken harsh things over you and you just cannot shake it off and it's doing you in, please come forward. I'm, I'm well up for praying for you. I know John's around and a couple of others will be around. Secondly, if you feel that you'd actually, on the other side of the fence, you need to repent and ask forgiveness for things that you know you've said to someone else that has hurt things that you might have said that you know are wrong and out of order, please come up and just know and just experience the, the joy of forgiveness. And also, people, anyone who's just up for just getting a bit of the antidote, the cure for that disease, just for, you know, you, just, you see little symptoms of it in your life, things you say that might seem insignificant. I want to say they're not insignificant because this is powerful stuff. So if you just feel like you just want a, a fresh touch of God, and like what we were saying today, John, John felt God really wanted to bring refreshing to us today. And Caroline had a picture of streams in the desert. And, and I think that sort of stuff, that is the cure. That's the cure that God's offering against this doubleness, this disease that we've got that can bring us down. He wants to bring release today. So we're going to sing, sing a song keep worshipping but please come out and we'll pray for you thanks for listening
to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.